All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Sonny. you got new equipment in here. I'm very impressed. Yeah, we have a lot of new studio equipment, and uh, so far, so good. Mitch, the engineer, has done a good job Mitch, putting all this in. Mitch is here helping us out. <laughs> He's giving me the <laughs> thumbs up. So, so far, so good. Yeah, no, we do have a lot of new gear here in the studio. The, the um, room is still six feet by six feet. It though. still is. A lot of stuff is, the, the surrounding stuff is still old <laughs> and obsolete. The plywood is still here. But the equipment the is plush new. plywood. Yeah. Uh, so we, we spent the whole first hour here on the show talking about the situation on the ground in Ukraine. It, it, it How is, can you not? It is like such a dark and dire situation. It just seems like most of the analysts I spoke to earlier on the show think that tr- uh, Putin's plan for some kind of lightning quick victory here in a few days obviously has not happened. So now it's like resorting to shelling of civilian areas to kind of demoralize the public, mm-hmm. cut off their cut off their power. You know, maybe that's why they wanted that nuke plant. Yeah, turn, turn turn that was that was pretty touch and go last night. Uh, a lot of nervousness there. Thankfully, it didn't hit the most vulnerable part of that plan. The fear was it was going to be ten times worse than Chernobyl. That's not going to happen, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's not a blitzkrieg. It's now going to be ground potentially in uh, a quick quicksand situation, which is going to have Putin even more desperate. Yeah, yeah, and it drags on the. The sanctions appear to be really biting in Russia. I mean, their economy does look to be in a tailspin. You know, you've and got runs on a the lot bank. worse. You know, it'll be interesting. I still think uh, one of the more fascinating things is the, how this plays out internally yeah. in, in Russia, where, where whether you see the oligarchs who are suddenly having their yachts seized, their property, their funds frozen, are they going to turn on Putin? Uh, continue to see mass demonstrations and mass arrests, the likes of which we've never seen before in that country. Yeah, and so we can go back to the days of the czar in yeah. terms of that type of protest. Uh, we continue to follow that closely. We got a humanitarian crisis unfolding as well with uh, hundreds of thousands of refugees stre- streaming into neighboring countries like like Poland. And they have opened up like a, a corridor mm-hmm. to allow refugees to escape. But in some ways that it, maybe that is part of Putin's plan as well to, to flood neighboring countries with refugees and destabilize countries I'm next not door. Sure. I don't think anyone really knows what Putin's pl- plan is, yeah. what his ultimate end game here. I mean, you see analysts saying that it's really about re- reforming the old Soviet Union, taking over those Baltic republics. Others are saying, no, he just wants to have a beachhead around the Black Sea in Ukraine, and that's as far as he's going to go, but who knows? I mean, it's hard to see like a, any kind of victory element here for Putin. I spoke to David Frum earlier on the show. He was the first guest from the Atlantic magazine, and he was like, he doesn't see how Putin comes out of this as any kind of winning strat, uh, position. And in in fact, maybe it turns into this long insurrection in Ukraine as the, the fighting continues, guerrilla warfare, that this just turns into well, a, a the, quagmire. The, the, exactly. But the definition of victory is going to differ uh, potentially between Putin and the West, yeah. he may he may uh, declare victory with seizing one or two cities, and that's it. Say, so, you know, I've 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 done it. I've destabilized Ukraine, or re regrouped and and destabilized the country to the point where I now own the territory that I've been seeking. And he may declare that as a victory. I, the West will say, well, you didn't take over the country, so it's not a victory. Okay, well, get set to call me on that in the open line with your thoughts on it. We saw Canada sort of tightening the screws on Russia yesterday. And now Trudeau's headed to Europe. 
Right, so what's the latest on that? Yeah, so he's going to uh, Latvia, London, Poland, I think, Warsaw. Warsaw. This weekend. Yep, so uh, he's going to meet with NATO leaders there. Uh, So uh, I'm not sure if Freeland's going to go with him, but right now Trudeau's on his way there. Okay, closer to home. Let's talk about gas prices going up sharply here throughout British Columbia. Of course, we still have the highest gas prices in North America. We continue to break the record for sky-high gas prices. Premier John Horgan had a news conference yesterday. He was asked about gas prices. We've got a looming increase in the B.C. carbon tax. That kicks in on April 1st. One more cent a liter. Right, so another penny a liter on April 1st from the BC carbon tax. And Horgan was asked again, how about putting a freeze on that? How about reducing some of these taxes to give people a break? This is what he had to say. I do understand that people, when they look at almost $2 a liter uh, for gasoline, uh, they, they immediately say, how can we reduce this? And taxation is a part of the, of the increase, one cent, but an 18 cent a liter increase overnight has everything to do with international instability and, of course, the events uh, unfolding in Ukraine today. Okay. Don't blame me. Blame Putin. Right? Yeah, and again, uh, it's, you know, I've been, you and I have spent decades watching politicians when they're in opposition say there's an, a magic fix, you know, for government. Just get involved and, and slash it. And once they get into the government, their attitudes change. So I don't expect the government to do much of anything in terms of curtailing the price, the rising price of gas. There are international forces at play here that far exceed BC's uh, the potential for, or the the power of the BC government. Okay, well we've got. And the other thing is, I mean, TransLink has to be funded. If you start yeah. stripping taxes out of the out of the uh, uh, the price of gas, you're going to start hitting uh, the price the uh, funding transit and. Far more people take transit than drive cars. Okay, he did not repeat his comment from earlier that if people are really feeling the pinch from high gas prices, they should take, take public transit, yeah. take the bus. So that was something he said the other day. I noticed I think that he his, conspicuously I think, did not say I that I think again. his advisors probably told yeah. me, you might want to drop that line yeah, if I you're going to so. get asked that question today. I think so. In question period, meanwhile, COVID restriction. COVID numbers are looking, what, hospital Very numbers good. have gone down again, right? They're going down steadily. Yeah. The ICU numbers, for the most part, Go down. Unfortunately, the number of people dying, and, and these are older people. I'll note yesterday, a person in their 30s died of COVID-19. Uh, I understand they were unvaccinated. But uh, by and large, the vast majority of deaths are people over the age of 80 who die with COVID-19 because they've got underlying health conditions. They're frail. Um, but the hospitalizations are going down. The case numbers are going down. The positivity rate is going down, which sets the stage for next week. We expect... Dr. Henry and Health Minister Adrian Nix to announce, to, to set the date for the lifting of the two remaining restrictions, which is vaccination, proof of vaccination to get into restaurants and the mandatory mask rule in indoor public spaces. Okay, so British Columbia going a little slower than other provinces in relaxing some of these restrictions. The mask mandate still there. The COVID, the COVID, or the vaccine passport still there. Now, in question period yesterday, it's interesting to see the opposition liberals now trying to put some pressure on the government. When are you going to lift these COVID restrictions. Let's have a listen to that yesterday. This is uh, Shirley Bond, Liberal MLA Shirley Bond in the legislature yesterday. We have a date on the calendar where British Columbians have been told that the restrictions will be reviewed. I think the minister would understand that there is uncertainty, there is anxiety. People want to know what specifically will trigger the lifting of the remaining restrictions in British Columbia. What specific measures? What, what is the answer to that question? It's the hospitalization number yeah. and the uh, and the positivity rate. That's been clear. I'm not sure you really need to know. 
if you've been paying attention, you would know those are the indicators. And Dr. Henry's made that fairly clear since for months now. It was kind of interesting, though, to see the liberals now suddenly saying, like, hey, when are you going to lift these restrictions? Are they detecting kind of in the public, the public's getting a little impatient? Like, you know, you see other well, provinces are they, lifting these restrictions. Why are not? Why are we doing it? I'm not sure about impatient, but they know we're, that's where we're headed. They, yeah. So the liberals are getting, are, you know, just pointing out we're, we're headed that way. Yeah. So why not make it clear now rather than waiting a week or two? I mean, we're two weeks behind other provinces in terms of lifting these things. Um and then that's not that's a valid uh, point of view is like give us a little more certainty instead of just saying we're going to review things yeah. uh, and again talking to John Horgan yesterday uh, who tends to get a little ahead of things and and sort of foreshadows what's coming yeah. he gave the impression he says he's getting briefed on Monday from Dr. Henry so we expect an announcement to be made sometime next week Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday from the health officials uh, providing a date for when the mask uh, rule and the vaccine passport uh, will be relaxed. Yeah, and he also made the point that when the mask mandate is dropped in B.C., that he will continue to wear his own mask. I mean, this is a guy who's coming out of cancer treatment, yeah. and that he would continue to wear his mask when he goes out in, in a public place. I just talked to, to a half dozen people in the legislature, staff members, um, yeah. are all wondering, okay, well, is the rule going to remain in place in the legislature to, to wear your mask? Because it's going to be up to individual businesses. If they want to yeah. keep their mask rule in place, they can. If they want to keep their the vaccine uh, requirement in place, they can. And it'll be interesting to see what happens to the BC legislature. A lot of, um, again, the half dozen members I, or uh, employees I talked to today, most of them said they will continue to wear their masks uh, in indoor settings. And I think a lot of people will. Okay, let's open the phone lines on those now. So call me up on that. We expect the COVID restrictions next week, right? That's when we're expecting some of these well, restrictions we, to be. We, we expect an announcement next week Okay. when the date that that will occur. I expect it. these measures will be gone by spring break. I think that's the goal, to allow people to travel uh, and to open up for spring break, which is... All right, Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open to him. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Blair and Langley. Hi, Blair, go ahead. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, love this segment all the time. Uh, just but Going back to the Shirley Bond clip, I, and I, I'm not putting words in her mouth, but I, I do wonder myself, okay, hospitalizations are down. When they're like a 1,000 or whatever, fine, we don't need to ask this question, but what is the number? Does the hospitalizations have to be 100, 200, 5, or 10? Um, so th I'm sure that they're modeling, they're, that Dr. Bonnie Henry, I don't want to put words in her mouth either, has a number in her mind, and I think she should share that with the public now. Okay, thanks for that. Yeah, so Dr. Henry has never provided a number in terms of targets. It's always it's all about trends, and it's a seven-day average is what they look at, and it's not one day. It's not two days. It's an average of cases over seven days, an the positivity rate over seven days, the hospitalization rate over seven days. That's what she's looking at. I don't think it's 100, 200, 300. It's just where where we're trending. And we've been trending down. The number of people being hospital or testing positive for COVID-19 in the hospital is going down every, pretty well every day. Yesterday, there was a bit of a jump from the day before. But again, on a seven-day average, it's been going down. So those are... Those are the metrics she's always looking at. So it's it was it, it would sound like the conditions for dropping the restrictions are yeah, here right are here right now. We're exactly we're not we're never going to get to zero, or it's going to be a long time to get to zero. And, and she made that clear. Other health officers made that clear almost from day one that the virus will never disappear, or it's going to take a long time for it to disappear. We have to learn to live with it and to adapt. 
and to take measures accordingly. And that's why you're seeing uh, jurisdictions around the world starting to ease up out of restrictions, not because COVID-19 has disappeared. It hasn't disappeared. There's yeah. still hundreds of cases in BC, hundreds of cases in Alberta. Uh, today in Ontario, more than 800 people in hospital. Um, but that number is going down. So they had 4,000 people in hospital about a, six weeks ago. So things are going down, but they're not disappearing. And that's okay. that's what people have to get their heads around. Okay, we expect more on that next week. Let's go to James in White Rock. Hi, James, go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call, guys. Keith, you're an sure. awesome reporter, and I'm counting on you. I want to know where this 13 cents a liter, this phantom 13 cents just disappears into no man land is going. I want to know if Horrigan refused to have the commission look into taxation because he's pulling it and he's putting it somewhere and he doesn't want anybody to know. And when it comes mm-hmm. to the, right. uh, the, uh, the, the Energies Commission in British Columbia, they can't do squat with the oil companies because, if I'm right, they're still in litigation with the oil companies over privacy of, of, of revenue policy. So they can't even look into it right now. So he can't yeah. do nothing, right? Okay, th- thanks so, for the call. Very good, yeah. very good point. Um, yeah. This is one of the obstacles that uh, this it, investigations always run into. The, the uh, third party uh, proprietary rights. The oil companies refuse to cooperate with. Uh, but they with but supposedly have this transparency law in British Columbia right now that when they jack up gas prices, aren't they supposed to file some explanation? Yeah, well, it's, it doesn't seem to have a lot of teeth, and the yeah. companies just seem to ignore it. Now, in terms of where the money goes, the vast majority of the taxation revenue does fund. Uh, transit, um, and that's it. Doesn't necessarily go into general revenue. It's not funding healthcare. It's funding uh, transit and things that are basically related to uh, the use of roads. Well, there is other taxes, aren't there, that aren't earmarked for transit? Well, there's I mean, sales there's a general, tax. There's, there's a fuel there's, tax. There's, there's a sales a, tax. There's a sales tax. There's a carbon tax. Remember, yeah. the carbon tax used to be revenue neutral. Yeah. It's no longer revenue neutral. Uh, it does go into general revenue, but the vast majority of those taxes are transient. Right. But there are some provincial taxes there. So the government does have some levers they can pull here, but they're just, I mean, they could, they could uh, scrap the sales tax. They could, uh, <laughs> the feds aren't going to scrap the GST, but, um, there are a number of other taxes. He won't. He won't he's not going to drop any taxes on gasoline. Well, it's no interesting. Way. So Selena Robinson just tabled a budget that has a $5.5 billion deficit. Yeah. If you were to drop some taxes, it would maybe increase the deficit to six. Uh, I mean, just pick a figure. The deficit would go higher. But does it really matter? And this is an argument that came up at the very beginning of the pandemic. Does it really matter if your deficit is $5 billion or <laughs> $7 billion or $10 billion? A deficit's a deficit. A, okay. a big deficit is well, a big deficit. I still don't think he's going to drop gas taxes, though. I mean, there's pressure on him to do it. Chris and Langley. Hi, Chris. Morning, guys. I got a question for you. If you guys filled up your tank with gas this morning, that gas that you paid for today was paid for at a cheaper price a month or two back. So how can the gas companies rip these years off like that? Yeah, it's, it's the complexities of gas price. I mean, Danny McTagg, who's our regular analyst, is yeah. you know, on, describing, you know, the price of gas in Vancouver is a lot different than the price of gas in Edmonton or Regina or Seattle. Or, I mean, it, it's about your proximity to refineries, your proximity to pipelines. Well, to we, also have, we also have a thing called a clean fuel standard in British Columbia, yeah. which regulates the carbon intensity of the fuel to yeah. keep it cleaner. And, and that's more expensive. And so the taxes haven't gone up in the last little while, but the, the market price has gone up. And again, it's the vagaries of the marketplace.